Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message. If you have your Bibles, what I'd like you to do is turn to Exodus 13. We're going to continue in our series in Exodus, and we're going to look at the Lord's guidance into the unknown. And the funny thing about when you study Israel, it's a picture of you and I with the Lord as well. The Apostle Paul mentioned this, uh, Israel is our example. And so Israel is now leaving Egypt. And they're going into the wilderness with the Lord, and they're going into the unknown. They don't know what's there. They know the ultimate goal is to get to the promised land. And the same is true for us. We know the ultimate goal is getting us to the new Jerusalem, to heaven, to the messianic kingdom. That's the ultimate goal. But the path sometimes is not obvious. And so the path the Lord's going to take them on is going to go against conventional wisdom. It's going to go against common sense. It's going to go against the easier way. And when you look at our lives and and even what's going on in our lives today, we're moving into the unknown. And we're going to see some crazy stuff this next year. If Biden and Harris get in there and that thing's not overturned, apparently I heard there's some more information supposed to come out this week about the election fraud. But if they steal this election, rest assured what you saw this last year is going to go full speed ahead this year into the Great Reset, digital currency, and, and you know the rest. And they're wanting this. Now, what that means for you and I is we're entering in a time where it's unprecedented. No believer has been able to, to see this much of the last days of the church age. And we're seeing a lot, and we still haven't been raptured. And again, remember, the rapture is only promised to, uh, to happen before the tribulation, so that means you and I are seeing a lot of setup if the rapture is delayed right before the tribulation. And so a lot of things will unfold that you and I are not going to like. And it's going to be a time where we really won't know how to navigate very well other than what the Lord tells us to do and how he's going to show us. So we're going to have to really be dependent on the Lord's lead into this darkness because it is dark spiritually, man. These things are evil what they're doing, very evil. And so we're much like Israel. They're in the wilderness. They don't know where they're going, but they're going to follow the Lord's lead. And there's some principles I want us to apply from them to us because it's going to speak directly to you and I on a personal level. So I want to start in verse 17 of chapter 13, and it says this, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, talking about Israel leaving into the Exodus, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Now, let me show you a map real quick so you can understand. And on your your map, on the big screen, the way of the Philistines is up here. This is called the Via Mara. And this, obviously, going to the Promised Land is the shortest route, is the easiest route. It is is a a well-traveled trade route. And by all conventional wisdom, you think, okay, that's where we need to go. We're leaving Egypt. Pharaoh has let us go. The promised land waits us here, so we're going to just go right there. And what does the Lord do? He says, nope, we're going down here. They're going to travel to Sukkoth, and then they're going along this desert trail 
uh, all the way to Etham. They're going to camp there in Etham, and then they're going to wake, make their way to Nueva Beach. And the Red Sea crossing will happen at Nueva Beach, which there's actually a land bridge underneath that water, and all it has to do is have the waters part, and there's an underground land bridge. And I'll show you that when we get to the Red Sea parting. But this is the route he's going to take them. Now, everybody in here should say, well, that's interesting. Why would he take them away from the shortest route, the easiest route, and make them take a path through the wilderness that's going to be into the unknown? There's things that's going to happen. Pharaoh's going to attack them. They're going to go through all kinds of, of scary things. Why would God take them that way and not the shortest and easiest route? There's reasons behind that. Let me show you what the terrain looks like. As you can see on this mountain ridge, you can see the little trail through this area. That leads into Nueva Beach. Nueva Beach is right here on the Red Sea. This is where they're going to cross over to Midian. But you can see this little trail, and it is fairly wide. And you can get two, two million people through there in 50s is exactly what the Lord did. But um, they're going to wind their way through this rocky terrain. Let me go to the next picture real quick. And then you can see how rugged this terrain is, and there's the path here that you would take. Now, they would use these for trading routes going through Sinai, but, you know, having two million people bunched up in all this, it's, it's a massive group going through these trails, and it is pretty harsh conditions. But I want you to notice how the trails go. They don't ever stay straight for very long. It turns. It winds. And most of the trails go to 90-degree turns like this, zigzagging. Now, let me show you another picture real quick. Here's from the standpoint of as Israel walked, you can see this is from ground level. And this is what they're looking at. And so you can see how high these mountains are in the Sinai Peninsula. Now, here's what I want you to see. How far ahead can they see from the ground? Not very far, right? They're only seen to this ridge, and they see how it turns to a right angle, and then it, it backtracks this way, and then you can see how the mountains are cut right here, and then they're going to go this way. So it's a zigzag here, 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 here. There's a spiritual lesson behind that. It's never a straight path where they can see everything on the path. It's a zigzag. And it's not the shortest route, it's not the easiest route, it's a hard route, and they can't see very far in front of them. Why is that? Why is God doing that? Well, it's the same reason for us. Let me tell you, God does not want Israel, nor does he want us, to see the entire path of our lives. There's no doubt he's laying the path before you and I into the unknown, especially this next year, okay? But he doesn't want you to see too much. He only is going to allow you to see as far as that mountain cliff is there. And then, then you'll have to turn and see what's around the bend. But he's not going to show you what's around the bend. He wants you to trust him for the next season of life, the next step that you have to take. And he's not going to fill in all the blanks. He's not going to answer, where does my life lead? Where does this go? Where do I head? He's going to say, follow me this far. Take this step in this direction into the unknown with me. I will guide you. But think about why he doesn't show us everything. 
If he showed you everything in your life, let's say you were 15 as a teenager, and God says, a shaft of light appears in your room and says, okay, you ready? I'm going to lay all your life out in front of you, and this is the way your life's going to go. What would you do? You'd probably get real scared all of a sudden. If you saw all of how your life's going to go, you would say, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to take those directions because I don't necessarily enjoy that one. I don't want to see that, and I don't want to experience that. And yet those things were necessary for your development, for your character. So he doesn't take you to where you can see all your life play out. He doesn't want that for you. You think about all the the tragedies you're going to have to see in life. Do you really want to be told all the bad things you're going to be seeing? You couldn't take it. You couldn't handle it. Think about this. 20 years ago, if you would have told Christians who obviously believed in the same things you and I do, pre-tribulational rapture and, and the millennial kingdom and, and tribulation and all that, if you would have told Christians 20 years ago, hey, I want you to know that one day the United States is going to tank, it's going to be corrupted from within by communists, elections going to be stolen, and the United States will finally go off the world scene and join in with the global government. And you're going to see it. You know what most Christians said back then? I don't believe you. It's not, America's never going to get away from its Judeo-Christian foundations. America's never going to go and join a global government. America's never going to open its borders and let everything and everyone into its borders so it can destroy the United States. America would never do that. We're, we're no way. They're, that's crazy. We're going to be raptured and we're not going to see any of this. Huh. Here we are today. And how much did you think you were going to see? Did you think you were going to see all this? Most Christians expected to be raptured prior to this. Now, here's the deal. The rapture is only promised to us prior to the tribulation. We could be raptured tonight, but we could go on longer and longer until that, until before the peace covenant is signed between Antichrist and Israel, you, can, you and I could still be here, and we can see a lot. And think about that. If God told you 20 years ago, you're going to watch the destruction of your country happen in front of your very eyes. You wouldn't have hardly taken that. You wouldn't have believed it. And so what you understand about these crisscrossings and these zigzags that you go through in life, he only gives you enough that you can accept, that you can incorporate, that you can deal with. And he gives you that grace to handle that season of life. But he doesn't give grace until you get there. So if he was a told, told Israel, okay, here's the whole path. They didn't have not only the maturity, but they didn't have the grace in able to handle what they were going to handle in the promised land. That needed for them to grow and mature to get to this spot to handle this turn. And so the way life is ran by God and you have to get used to this because a lot of people don't like it, is you're going to only see one season maybe ahead of you, and that's it. You're not going to see more than that. Now, we know what the end goal is. We know what the end goal is. But that is as far as you're going to see is one season ahead. And the season that's coming, folks, we need to prepare for. This season that we're, it's coming 
is a darker season than what we experienced this last year. Don't think things are going to get easier. They're going to get harder for believers. We're now in the purple. You know what that means? We're not even supposed to be having church inside. We're supposed to be having church outside in the cold. And most churches are not even having it. Most churches are just completely shut down. They're taking an extended vacation. I don't know, whatever they do. And, and they're not having it. If they buckled under the pressure of this, more is coming. You can rest assured they will buckle under the rest of that pressure that's coming. Because eventually, this right here will be considered hate speech. That's what's coming. And that anyone who professes this and teaches from it is a hater, is a bigot, is a racist. Be prepared for one day, especially in California, them saying you can't preach this. Just be prepared. It might happen in our lifetime. It's it's getting there, especially with the Equality Act and all the other things that Biden and Harris want to do. And, And I'm telling you, we definitely will be underground at that point. But my point is this. The zigzags are on purpose. Right now, you might not you know, know where your life is going. You're like, I don't know where, this, where I'm heading. I don't know what to think about. I know I'm not returning back to normal, but I don't know what the new normal is. That's okay. It's okay. Just follow the Lord, and, and he will lead you to where he wants you to go. That's all you have to worry about. Okay, so a couple of things I want to point out about this. Why did he not take Israel through the shortest and quickest route? Okay, number one, one of the issues is for Pharaoh. So let's get this on the table first. Pharaoh is Hades bent on wiping out every Jew on the planet. Even though he went through the ten plagues, he released Israel, he is still in hatred of Israel. He hates Yahweh because he's an antichrist type. So his idea is to exterminate every Jew on the planet. And that's very satanic, obviously. So what's happening is he notices that Israel is not going the Via Mara, the shortest route, that Israel is taking a longer route, and it appears to Pharaoh that they are confused, that Moses, their leader, doesn't know what he's doing. He's leading Israel into a trap, and aha, I will get them in the desert and destroy them in the desert. They will not be able to make it up to the Canaanite area. See, Egypt doesn't want to have a brouhaha with the Canaanites. They know that's a, that's a, a war they don't want to get into. So if they did run up into there, it would actually prevent Pharaoh from following because he doesn't want a war with the Canaanites. But them going into the desert, knowing that there's no other armies out there, then he is licking his chops saying, I got them. I'm going to wipe every one of them out for doing what they did to us. So... God is giving Pharaoh enough rope to hang himself. So it's like, you want him? Go for him. The problem is he doesn't know what's waiting for him. And what's waiting for Pharaoh is the Red Sea, where God will finally put the hammer down and destroy Egypt and its armies entirely. And that will be it. Now, let me make an application to what's going on today. 
Do not for a moment think that these globalists, these George Soros types, these Bilderbergers, these Rothschilds, these Rockefellers, the Bilderberg Society, the globalists like Bill Gates and all these other people and creeps that you see who are nothing but satanically driven, do not think for a moment they're getting away with anything. They are likened unto Pharaoh and they are licking their chops thinking that they're going to have their glory by creating a one world utopia that they always imagined, a communistic, imperialistic global society where peace and safety dwell. Right? Paul mentioned that, right? When they say peace and safety, other destruction comes upon them. The same thing God allowed to happen with Israel in the desert and with Pharaoh is now happening with the church and with the globalists. See, what the globalists have to understand, or what they understand this, they've hit all the influencers of society to turn a society. You get the media, you get the education, they're gone. You get the politics, they're gone and bought off. And, and then you get uh, big tech. So you got them, right, in your back pocket. So you have all quadrants of society, but they, they got one more. Do you know what that one more influencer of people are? The church. So their last thing that they have to infiltrate is the church. And they've done a very good job at that. And my point about this is because they have all sectors of society, they, they can now flip the society over. And if the majority of churches are going along with the shutdowns and lockdowns and marching in lockstep with the governors, that these, these radical governors that defy their own principles and laws, if they can get the church, they've got all sectors of society and they can flip it. That's what they're doing, okay? So they think they're on easy street. They say, like Pharaoh, we got this one. We can make this happen now. We're going to take advantage of these lockdowns and shutdowns. We're going to take advantage of the people who are afraid of their health, and we're going to do this. And they will. It's called the Great Reset. It's what they call it. The Bible calls it globalism or a new world order is the old phrase. But anyway, they think they're going to be able to do it. They will. But they're heading into a trap. And the trap is called the tribulation. And this is a funny parallel. I want to bring the parallel out to you. When he destroys Pharaoh, he parts a sea. Pharaoh is a type of antichrist. So he destroys Pharaoh and his armies with the parting of the Red Sea, right? This is interesting. When you study eschatology, when Jesus comes back, to destroy the real Antichrist, he parts the mountains and destroys the Antichrist and his armies. So you go from parting the sea to parting mountains, and Messiah destroys the kingdom of the Antichrist, just like God is destroying the kingdom of Pharaoh, Egypt. It's a parallel. It's amazing. Isn't it funny how those things that happened in the ancient past are now here among us where the real typology is now being fulfilled in all of that? Wow. A couple other things. Israel is not prepared to go into the promised land. That's why God doesn't take them in the shortest route and the easiest route. They simply are not prepared. Because when they go into Israel, they have to start fighting. Well, these, these guys have never picked up a sword in their life. They've been enslaved. They don't know how to fight. They have to be trained. 
And so the easiest route would get them killed. The fastest route would get them routed by the Canaanites. They are no match for the Canaanites at this point in time. So we're going to take them and buy them some time so that they can get prepared as an army then to attack the Canaanites when everyone's trained up and we got weapons and we're ready to take this on. And the same thing is true on a spiritual level. The path that God has you on is a path that ensures that you're prepared for the next season of life. God is not going to lead you to an easier path and a shorter path because sometimes you and I are not spiritually ready to take that path because it's going to involve a big fight. And so what God's going to do is train us, prepare us for that fight by taking a little bit longer route. Because if he threw you in in the deep end, you would sink. So God knows that. So sometimes I know we're frustrated with the longer route and the unconventional route, but it's for your purpose. It's to help you to get prepared. And what's happening here, this last year and the year before, this has been a season of preparing. Let me ask you this question. The last four years, did the church take advantage of the grace given to it in America, or did they spurn it? I'm of the opinion, and I'm not talking about the Philadelphia church, and I'm not talking about the persecuted church. I'm talking about the Laodicean church. I'm talking about the lukewarm Christians. I'm talking about their churches and their pastors. What did they do for the last four years of this grace that we had that gave us the freedom to do what we needed to do. What did they do? I can tell you what they did. They went towards the social gospel. They went to having your best day ever. The pastors and churches did nothing to prepare their people. It was business as usual, nickels and noses, and we're going to sell a Rubik's Cube of Joel Olstein at Walmart to top it off. So we're going to mess around while we have these four years, and guess what? Time's up. You had enough time to prepare your people and to prepare your church during that period of time, and what did you do? You messed around. Guess what? You don't have any time now. It's over. Things are switching gears. Do not think for a moment that the mask or shutdowns are protecting anybody. If they did, we wouldn't see a resurgence that's happening right now. The dark winter, they called it. They're shutting down the churches because they don't want people in the pulpit influencing the American Christian. That's what's happening. And yet, God bless the churches that did prepare their people. God bless the Christians that did get prepared because what's coming is a whole new ball game. The other thing I want to point out about Israel not being prepared is this. Israel had to learn the art of war, okay? They had never learned that. Now, there's no doubt they had to grow spiritually, but they had to know in the art of war, in a spiritual war, how important it is to understand your position as a player, your holiness, your righteousness, your equipment that's available to you in a spiritual war. They had to learn that. They did not know that. 
And so they had to learn how to use the equipment. Because if you don't know how to use the equipment that God provides in a spiritual battle, you're useless. You know, Paul mentions this in Ephesians 6, that you have to have the full armor of God. You have to have that on. You have to know what it's about. You have to know the meanings of that. Because if you don't know a piece of the armor, you're going into a battle unprotected. And not understanding how to protect yourself makes you vulnerable to the enemy's darts, where he wants to take you out. And he will. If he finds a chink in the armor, he will take you out in the chink of the armor. That's what Israel was learning. It wasn't just physical combat. It was spiritual combat. Because when they go in there into the land, it wasn't just simply people in the land, Canaanites, who will war with them. They found through Joshua in the reconnaissance, when Joshua and the 12 spies reported back to Moses, who's in the land, do you remember what they said? There are giants in the land. They're not hyperbole. They were naming the certain tribes that were giant clans, and they named the Nephilim, the Rephaim, The Anakim. Now, these tribes are giant clans, which means they're hybrids. They're not fully human. They are part fallen angel, and they were part human. This goes back to Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis 6, that eruption happened prior to the flood, but if you read Genesis 6, 1 through 4, it'll say it happened again. And guess what part of the world that happened again? Canaan. The promised land. So when the time Israel gets ready to go back into the promised land, they are fighting creatures that are hybrids, that are half-fallen angels. Do you understand now why it's important not only to learn the art of physical war, but to learn the art of spiritual warfare as well, because they're fighting offspring of demons and fallen angels. The battle that you and I are going into this next year and the year after, if we're here for that long, is a massive spiritual fight. That's what it's about. It's a spiritual battle. You and I are watching the angelic conflict play out in front of us using human beings. And it's happening. If you're not spiritually prepared, you will go into the mode of self-preservation. That's how Satan will get you. That is how Satan is getting people right now. People are terrified for their health, aren't they? They actually believe that they're going to die from this. When the stats from the CDC say 99% of people who get the coronavirus recover. And the CDC also says that 96% of people who died had comorbidities. Which means only 4% of the people actually died of corona, which usually tends to be senior adults in that category. So what kind of game are they playing with us? Oh, it's a game that Satan will play. Satan wants to scare you into self-preservation. Save your life. Save your family's life. You've got to wear the mask. You've got to shut down your churches to save a life. Jesus would want you to save a life. That's the love thy neighbor thing. It would only be true if it's tr- if it was true, but it's a lie. It's a lie. And therefore, the people of the church are not prepared for a battle. And you know how the battle is being fought? Deception. Deception. 
That's how the battle is being fought. And because people are deceived and don't look up the facts and don't study the right sources on the Internet, don't even look at the CDC's numbers and what they're saying, they fall for what the media propaganda tells them. And they are deceived and they go into self-preservation and they crumble and fold. That's what's happening. It's what happened to our culture. It's what happened to America. And it worked very well, didn't it? See, so this is why he has to take Israel a different path. They have to be prepared for this. Now, a couple more things. Verse 17 adds another point that I want to illustrate here. And it says this, For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. So again, the map shows you that the reason why. But again, what's the point? Lest Israel change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. That's the key thing I want you to understand. God knows that if Israel goes to war, they're going to crumble They don't have the spiritual vitality. They don't have the physical ability to deal with a war. So they will run back to Egypt. Now, running back to Egypt is what they wanted to do. In fact, they'll push Moses in year two to go back to Egypt. And they'll constantly push Moses to go back to Egypt, right? And you're thinking, did they forget what the environment was in Egypt, how bad it was and how sickening it was? They were throwing babies into the Nile. They were enslaving them. Of course they knew that. They had not forgotten that. But they were illustrating a principle in Scripture that's not only in the Proverbs, but Messiah said it himself. And here's the here's the metaphor. A dog returns to its vomit. And that's pretty graphic. Understand, Messiah is not politically correct. So he's going to talk about vomit and a dog eating its own vomit. He did that to get people's attention because how gross that would be when you see a dog eating its own vomit. It's eating the very thing that's poisoning it. It's slowly killing itself by eating the thing it regurgitated out that he ate before. What's the spiritual principle in that? Well, the spiritual principle is this, just like you see illustrated with Israel wanting to go back to Egypt. When a person does not have the spiritual maturity to handle the season of life they are in, they will revert back to their old life. They go back to how they managed life B.C., before Christ. They will go back to their old ways. Now, here's my question to you. Do you think when they go back to their old ways, they know that those are their old ways and those old ways are no good for them? Of course they know it. Just like the Israelites knew going back to Egypt is not good for them. But here's the thing that they know. They know how to operate in hell. They know the street signs in hell. They know how to manage life even in the hell that they were in. And that becomes a comfortable way of managing life because they least know how to function in hell. But they do not know how to function correctly with Yahweh out in the desert into, I don't know where I'm going. It's scary because it requires faith. Going back to hell that you came from requires no faith at all. And you know 
that continuing to, to operate in that hellish experience will slowly kill you. But they do it anyway. Let me give you an illustration. The heat comes on. The pressure gets on a persecution or whatever comes a, a, a believer's way. And so a believer might resort to going back to being an alcoholic. They might resort going back to drugs or living a bad life or whatever that life was, sexual immorality or whatever. They'll go back to their default and how they manage life. Now, what's so appealing to them on that? It's because they do get a certain escape from it temporarily by doing it, even though they know it's killing them. They know it's killing them, but they want a break. They want an escape. Now, if you're getting pressured as a Christian constantly, constantly, constantly from this culture, and the heat keeps on, and it keeps going on to where it turns legal, if you're not spiritually ready, you will go right back to your vomit. And you'll you'll go back to the old ways of handling things, and that's the only way you know. And so why in this last year has depression went up? Has substance abuse went up? Suicides have went up among believers. Why has that? Because they're not spiritually equipped to handle this. And you're thinking, well, this wasn't too bad. Mm, It really wasn't. But if you think this year was bad, you have no idea what's coming. If this was a hard year for you, please understand, you better get prepared for the next one. And that's how it works. So that's why the the Israelites, even though they were slaves, want to go back to Egypt because at least we'll live a little bit longer even in enslavement. We'll just live a little longer and we can just ha- go back to the, kind of our way of life instead of being out in the desert and you know what they told Moses. You have taken us out here to die. We don't want to die this fast. We would rather have a slow, prolonged, suicidal death living in Egypt. Does that sound insane? Good. It should sound insane because that's how people are. They would rather die a slow death, drink themselves to death, do drugs where it slowly kills them, commit sexual immorality where it slowly kills them until finally they get a disease and they die from it. And they knew it. They knew it. But a dog returns to its vomit because the dog represents unbelief. Jesus said, follow me and I'll give you life. Follow the other path, the broad road, and it will lead you to a premature death. That's why God took them this path. He did not want that happening with them. And so, with all that being said, you might say, well, that, you know, I still, man, I'm having a hard time. I had a hard time reading this this week. And understanding it too, because sometimes I can't wrap my mind around that. Because think of what I want you to think about that. They saw incredible miracles. There's only been a few generations of believers that saw incredible grade A miracles. First generation with Messiah. Um, obviously, no one was there at creation, but the angels saw it. And then you have these great miracles in the Exodus, like never before. And then you'll have another set coming in the future in the tribulation. I mean, they saw the Nile turn to blood. They saw darkness. They saw the death angel. They saw all of this. And then they eventually see the Red Sea, and it still doesn't convince them? Yeah. It just blows your mind, doesn't it? In the world. Ah, but there's a principle behind this. 
It's the same thing with you and I. Faith is not produced by miracles or experiences. They had some of the greatest experiences you could ever imagine. They saw God in the Shekinah glory lead them. A cloud in the day and a pillar by a fire at night. They saw that right in front of their very eyes. Still don't believe. You know why? The Apostle Paul put it down, and he said this in Romans. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You're never going to get past that. Faith only comes from you believing the scriptures, not experiences and not miracles. It comes by you believing the scriptures. So the question then is, how do I prepare myself spiritually for the battle that's coming? You better start believing the scriptures and what it says. What it says about God and how he provides and takes care of us. That's how you build your faith. Not in some liver quiver experience. It's through the word of God. And so with that being said, let me add one more thing before we close. Another reason that Israel is willing to go back to Egypt in their mind is because they're naive to evil. Now you say, wait a second, they went through evil times. I mean, they had their babies thrown into the Nile and drowned. I mean, Pharaoh put propaganda out and lied about them, and they were enslaved, and they should know about evil. Yeah, I know. But they're still naive to it. What do you mean? Because they want to go back to it. The naivety towards evil is not only going on with Israel and thinking they're going to go back and this is what they really think. That because all this happened, the Egyptians are going to be nice to them and everything's going to work out hunky-dory and they're going to sit there and negotiate at the table saying, okay, we're coming back and, and Pharaoh, you, 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 you cut a deal with us and, and leave us alone. Huh? You think that's going to happen? No. But why the naivety? It comes down to this. It's a spiritual principle, and you've got to learn this, and I already know you probably know this. But Jesus said this, you better be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. What does that mean to be wise as a serpent? You better not be naive to evil. You better understand what evil's intent is. You better understand what they want to do to you. Because if you think they're going to be nice to you, think again. And so the idea of wise as a serpent is that you stop being naive to the evils of this world. Talk to any cop or a correctional officer in our church and they will tell you what they see. And man, it is a dark side of humanity that most people don't come in contact with, and they forget how bad people are. They really do. And so, because they've not been exposed to that, they treat evil with a naivety. You see this on our world stage, don't you? Biden wants to get back in line with Iran and the nuclear deal with Iran. He's thinking the Ayatollah has turned a new leaf, and that he's a nice guy now all of a sudden. You cannot do deals with people like that. That's why Trump pulled us out. He understood you don't do deals with people like that. You can't trust them. 
And so yet, here we are, people saying, well, we can sit down and have a discussion with uh, Antifa, and, and we can work things out with Antifa. And group. What? Have you seen people lose their common sense now? It's called naivety towards evil. And so Israel has to grow up and understand you can't do that with evil. What Israel will have to learn is that when they go in the promised land, they're going to face certain clan groups, giant groups that are completely evil and demonic, and God will say, I want, he'll pronounce what's called a harem. A harem. And it means, Joshua, when you go into that town, in that city, I want everybody in there completely wiped out. Men, women, children, and even the animals, and don't touch their stuff. Burn it. Why? Because they're half-breeds, and they're demonic activity going on there. And so he just wants everything burned to the ground. No one alive. Everyone dead, even the animals. Now, he won't do that for all. But see, that's how you, deal, you have to deal with evil in Joshua's day as a nation. Now, those are the reasons why he put Israel on this path, okay? And it'll be the same reasons why you're on the path that you are on now. And you're going to go and you say, man, I am going into darkness. I don't know where this leads. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And that's okay. What are you supposed to do right now? What do you do in this season, the next two, three, four months? What are you supposed to do? That's all you need to worry about. That's it. Let me end on this story. Jim Lavelle. Do you remember Jim Lavelle? They made the movie Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks actually played Jim Lavelle. And you remember the story in Apollo 13. They went to the moon. They are supposed to do a lunar landing, and they couldn't. Uh, there was a malfunction in the craft. And so they had to encircle the moon. And then on the way back... Jim Lavelle had to get that lunar craft pointed directly back home on the right path. And if he was off any, they're not making it home. And so he had to set the course direction. And, and you remember in the movie, they were firing the things just to line things up perfectly to get back to Earth. Remember that? Talk about being on the path and not being on the path. Yikes. If you're not on, you're not coming to Earth. Pretty scary. But he got it lined up, and they made it home. You remember that story. Okay. Well, what he told the other astronauts in the capsule was a story that came from his military days with the Navy to, to inspire them that they're going to make it. They're gonna just, we got to stay on the path, and we'll make it home. So what he told them is what happened to him in 1953. He was a naval pilot, and, and he flew uh, uh, a Banshee uh, fighter jet. And uh, they were using them off the carrier, the Shangri-La carrier off the Sea of Japan in 1953. And he was doing maneuvers at night. He was doing some night landings. And, and they have to do that with their pilots all the time. Even today, they have to keep training all the time. So they were maneuvering off the Sea of Japan. And what he describes is that he was flying and he was heading back to the carrier. And then all of a sudden, his radar got jammed. He just stopped. The homing beacon went off. They didn't know where he was at. His radar's gone, and they, 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 they assumed that somebody in, in Japan was using the radar frequency the same, so it jammed his whole radar. So he didn't know where he was going. Lost. And it, the sea is pitch black. The moon's not even out. He can't see where he's going. And all he had was his instruments to get him back home to the aircraft carrier. 
So you know what happens? He says, well, I'm going to get my flight map out and look at my map. So he decides to turn on the cockpit lights. Well, guess what happened? He flicked the switch and it shorted out. No light came on. All the instruments went off and all his electrical went off. He did not have any navigational skills at that point because all of his instruments are knocked out, totally gone. So he's flying this banshee, and he doesn't know his altitude. He doesn't know where he's at, and he's thinking, I'm going to have to ditch this in the water. I I, I have no other choice. The sea is black. He doesn't know anywhere. It's just like total darkness. But you know what happened? His eyes adjusted to the darkness, and guess what he saw? As he was flying, he looked down, and he can see the algae that was glowing in the water. Now, there's a certain algae that is phosphorescent, okay? And this algae is phosphorescent when you stir it up. And what he figured out in his head was... Ah, how come I'm seeing the algae? It it must be stirred up. Ah, it must be the blades rotating on the aircraft carrier that are stirring up the algae. And he said, ah, I'll follow the algae because it's going to lead me back to the carrier. So when everything went dark, he was able to see it, and he absolutely flew that banshee right on the path, right back to the carrier, right back to home. And he told that story to the guys, and they're on the dark side of the moon, saying, guys, if God could show me the path back to the carrier with the phosphorescent algae, he can get us back home to earth. We just got to stay on the right path. And I thought, what a fitting illustration for you and I. It seems like the lights have went out, all the instruments are dark, you can't see anything. But the idea is he's doing that on purpose so you can see the green algae path, so to speak. A path that you couldn't see before unless he shut the lights off. Don't worry about the darkness. Because even in the darkness, God can show you the path. And you know where that path leads? It leads home. Let's pray. Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church Prophecy Update, where we focus on signs of the times and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.